welcome to the Real Estate Investor Dad podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and I brought on my lovely wife, Gabrielle, today. Hello. Uh, today, today, today we are live, which, you know, I don't really like live all that much. I still haven't quite got used to it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's it's People like... can interact with you. That's yes, awesome. yes. So that is very important. Um, with live interviews, obviously, you can comment in if you have questions uh, for a guest or for us or anything in regards to the topic or just real estate investing in general. Uh, topic today is uh, we're going con- <laughs> to we're going to continue talking about working with your spouse, which, uh, you know, very popular topic. You um, only ever bring me on here to let me like rip on you about how bad you are working with your spouse. <laughs> no. Well, you, you don't invite me in to like talk about I don't think it, buying houses. Is that fair? <laughs> this is exactly what it's all about. This is exactly what it's all about. Is is that uh, you know you work with your spouse uh, twenty three and a half hours a day. It's um, you know it takes its toll. <laughs> um, no, I, well, and I'm sorry for that. I've never really noticed. I'm going to have you on for much more. Um, so long as it's okay, I like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about working with your spouse. Uh, we got an amazing guest coming on today. Uh, very, very experienced, uh, pro real estate investors, uh, who've been working together for 15 years. And so, I mean, if you're going to, if you want a reference, um, if you want to know what it's like and what to do and what to avoid, uh, you got to ask the people who've been doing it, you know, for, for a long time. So that's why we brought them on today. Um, you know, I don't have much else to, to say about that particularly, do you? No, why don't you introduce our guests? Well, our guests, our guests are all the way from Kirkland Lake, Ontario. Um, I had to Google it and I'm it's from Ontario. It's up here, right? <laughs> yes, I'm from Ontario and I didn't know where Kirkland Lake was. <laughs> uh, not to say anything bad about Kirkland Lake, apparently is a great investment town. Uh, and they've done very well there. Uh, their names are Elizabeth and Emmett Kelly, uh, real estate investors for... I believe 15 years they got we'll find out yeah we'll find out very shortly i'm gonna actually invite them in right now uh welcome to the show guys hey thanks so much for having us thank you for coming on oh, um yeah how did i do on my introduction was it was it good it was, oh, it was awesome we're pretty <laughs> going you could say pretty much anything and we we just nod and smile for now <laughs> good <laughs> so I, I apologize for for indirectly bashing Kirkland Lake uh, without you guys there. It was almost behind your back. No, no, that's all right. Honestly, most people have not heard of Kirkland Lake. We're about seven hours north of Toronto. So for yeah. most, most people, this is like Great White North. Like we live in igloos, even for Canadians. So you're all right. <laughs> do you have polar bears? No. No. Yeah. We have regular bears, though. Yeah, we do have a lot yeah. of regular bears and moose, tons of moose. What's what's the industry in Kirkland like? Gold mines. Hmm. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's lots of uh, there's lots of gold mines here. There's about four or five of them within thirty kilometers of Kirkland Lake, and uh, that's uh, there's some pretty big operations here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So uh, a good good job security, I'm assuming. Industry there? Yeah, they've been around for 80, 90 years, and there's no sign of them going anywhere. They keep doing exploration. They keep finding more gold, so they keep digging for it. We're in the midst of a, a five-year uh, rollout plan from KL Gold or Kirkland Lake Gold, where they uh, we're investing another $320 million 
in um, in building out a new mine shaft. So the projection was 320 million five years. We're probably halfway, maybe just over halfway in. They're not halfway through the project, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So the the price tag keeps going up, but you know what? The contractors keep coming to town to to work on the shaft and. When that's completed, then there'll be new miners hired and, you know, new processes and everything. So it's um, I don't foresee it drying up anytime soon. And certainly with, you know, the way the government is, you know, making their own money. Um, yeah. Definitely gold is, is a great investment. So we like buying, you know, real estate in a gold town and then we kind of get the best of both worlds. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so why don't you guys introduce yourself a little bit better than I did? Um, it, tell me who you are and, and, and what you guys do. <laughs> should should we get Emmett to introduce me and I'll introduce Emmett? Should we do that? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was about it. <laughs> that was my introduction. Um, all right. So we met in 2005 and we started doing um, burrs and and um, duplexing in Newmarket. And then we bought a bunch of condos and we figured out we were doing the right thing, but the wrong way because condos are not great investments for a lot of people. Yeah. So we, uh, we kind of went, there has to be something better than this. So we, uh, we invested in our education and from there, we just kind of took off by 2010. We were starting to do multifamilies in St. John, New Brunswick. We were buying in Kirkland Lake shortly thereafter and uh, we intended to just sort of manage everything from a distance and be able to, you know, stay in Newmarket. And Emmett was working as an engineer then for an insurance company. And um, we, as you, we were joking before, <laughs> before we started, uh, when you hired property managers, when you try and then tell them how to manage your properties, they don't like it so much. Mm. So we ended up, uh, we ended up and opening our own doors and hiring our own staff to do our own property management. So. Very nice. That's really kept us busy for the last 10 years. I've had a few other ventures. I was a mortgage agent for uh, a few years there. I really enjoyed getting to know and understand the financing and how all of that worked from the inside. And um, I have a rent-to-own company as well that's sort of separate from uh, from our joint ventures together. But we always uh, this is always the, the foundation and the core for us. Awesome. Awesome. Do you find that um, becoming a, a mortgage agent, was it beneficial to, you know, the real estate investing? Uh, you know, did you learn anything? Did you gain anything from that? A lot of people ask, should I become a mortgage agent? Should I become a realtor? Yeah. Um, I find being a becoming a mortgage agent is quite different from becoming a realtor because, you know, becoming a realtor that then changes how you interact with prospective sellers. You know, you can't anymore just go up and knock on the door when, you know, if you're interested in a property. Oh, yeah. um, so as much as being a realtor does give you the access to, um, to MLS and, and to those listings, it's, I found it, it would have been a hindrance for me. Uh, being a mortgage agent was definitely advantageous, but it really is, it's a full-time job. So either, you know, you're doing what you were trained to do originally or whatever in Emmett's case, being an engineer, or you're doing what you wanted to do or what you, you know, your new career is. But it's really, with mortgages and with, with being a realtor, I think you have to be an expert to be really good and to make good money at it. And that doesn't leave a lot of time if you're you're then just working full time in your industry, but it's in your business, not on your business. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, just because I always, I always try to think about when I'm interviewing or when I'm doing podcasts, I always try to think about what I would have asked if I were listening to this episode, if I had just looked into real estate investing. So do you guys mind explaining, you know, what, what are those hindrances? What are the, what are the restrictions, um, that, that come with becoming a mortgage agent, uh, or a, a realtor that prevents you from going and talking to a seller? There's, there's a lot of, um, I'm not sure to get into the the nitty gritty of it, but there's a lot of disclosure statements that have to be done, and a lot of um, uh, a lot of rules in in regards to um, uh, I can't think of the words, but uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. But there, there's a lot. Of, like, I, I want to say I want to say on the ethical side, and it doesn't mean you're being unethical, but when you're representing the public in a certain task, it's different when you're representing all the public as a agent, you have a duty to them. Whereas when you're just yourself and representing yourself, it's a different angle. So you don't have the same disclosures. You don't have the same rules that you're allowed to follow. Like you're not allowed to approach, you're not allowed to speak to people who already are under contract with other people and, 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 a lot of little nuances like that 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 would uh, that would affect things if you were an, an agent uh, right. than if you weren't. Right, of course. Um, you have to use like when you're using, you have to use certain forms and you know and and, and abide by certain um, uh, statements and verbiages and all that stuff. And as as individuals, we don't we're not bound by that. Yeah. Hey everybody, just wanted to let you know that on-demand coaching sessions are available. There's a link in the show notes below. If you're stuck on a problem or you need guidance, book a session and let's get you through it. Don't let uncertainty prevent you from taking action and getting the results that you want in life. Okay, back to the show. Let's go back to, you know, when you guys first thought about real estate investing. What was it? Was there you know, a radio infomercial? Was there a, a pop-up ad on, on, on your Explorer? Like what, what got you guys into thinking about doing real estate investing? Was there pop-up ads on Explorer 15 years ago? Wait, what did you determine? <laughs> How long have you guys been doing this? It's funny. I was talking to my coaching clients to, today and I'm like, you know, when we started doing real estate, we still had to go to the realtor's office and sign all the paperwork in person. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that's how old we are. Yeah. Um, yeah that's how old we are. We, um, well, we were already doing our thing. And then uh, well, Emmett's I, friend, Frank, saw I started, an ad. yeah. I, I started with uh, my best friend, um, Frank, and he was, um, him and I were living in Newmarket. And, uh, and we decided, yeah, we should do a rental property. So we bought a condo and then we bought another condo and, and, uh, and some things like that. And then he had heard, I don't know how, through the radio or something like that. A, uh, yeah, and he, he sent me on it because he didn't want to go. Yeah. So it was just this, uh, you know, the free one hour, free two hour uh, seminar. And I went to it. And um, <laughs> it's so funny because it was the same night as our first uh, dance lesson for when we were um, taking dance lessons together before we were married because we were going to yeah. do like our first dance together and all that. So I show up uh, like 20 or 30 minutes late to our dance lesson because, <laughs> because I'm in a real estate seminar. Yeah, I didn't realize that in hindsight that I should have known that was the precursor because you were 20 minutes late for our wedding. Yeah, and I was, well, that was a different movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Oh, awesome. oh, yeah. yeah. Ask him why now. 
Why? Well, we, we're asking the tough questions today. All the groomsmen, we were playing mini golf, and it went into sudden death overtime. So we had to finish the game. <laughs> I'm literally standing in the church. There's no groomsmen. Nobody's seating anybody. I'm at the church, and they're not there yet. Yeah, we're finishing. Because the hotel we were at that we were doing it all at and the church is just down the road, but the hotel we were at had a mini golf uh, place just inside. So we, yeah, I don't know. We just got a little carried away, but we weren't, no one was backing down. So we had to, we had to go into overtime with the holes and yeah. In Emmett's defense, it doesn't take the, the groom and the groomsmen as long to get ready. So they were probably waiting around all day. Well, we were already ready. We were doing all this. And that was like the fun thing about it. We got pictures. We were doing it all in our tuxedos and everything. Yeah. So it was kind of fun that way. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So, you know. You went what, to a seminar. You went to a seminar, I believe. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I went to I went to a seminar. And then it turns out that then, you know, they sell you on the next one. And so I I bought it. Cause I thought to myself, you know what, if I'm going to, cause I, we already had two rental properties at this point. Okay. No, no, not that, not that point. Okay. Maybe we had two or three rental properties, maybe four. I don't know. Anyway, something like that. And I thought to myself with the stuff that they were talking about and that they would explain more. I said, if, you know, like the course they were offering was a thousand dollars or something like that. I said, if I go to this, if I pay a thousand dollars and go to this course and get one piece one piece of advice, Liz, you got the camera on reverse. So when I do this, it goes backwards. <laughs> um, so uh, to get one, if I got one piece of advice out of this class, it's worth a thousand dollars. So I said, I'm going to go to it. And then my buddy, Frank, who's known to be a bit of a cheapskate was like, no, I don't want to pay $500 for it. So then I brought Elizabeth. And yeah. So that was, that was, uh, that was rich dad. So I know there's a lot of education opportunities that people have out there. Um, we ended up going the, the sort of rich dad route. And, uh, so we attended the three day course and we got to the Saturday night and we thought about, you know, how much Emmett spent for his engineering degree and how much I spent for my degree. And we said, if we're going to do this, we better do it big. So with, with his personality type too, you really, it's either black or white. You're either off or on. So we were on. Elizabeth, so, sorry, can I? Oh, of course you can, darling. Uh, leading up to that point, were you involved at all? Or was it Emmett and Frank were doing their thing and you really didn't have a care about what was going on? Did we have the duplexes by then? Yeah, we had the duplexes because okay. we started doing rent-to-owns with them. Yeah. Um, no, we so, so I uh, I was involved, but in a very sort of supporting role. That was probably one of our biggest challenges, you know, going from, you know, dating to engage to married while you're working together. And I sort of had this preconceived idea of what a good little wifey did. And um, yeah, that that didn't work so well for me after a while, because, uh, you know, <laughs> I have my own opinions and ideas. So well, let's hear about them. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I just... Uh, <clears throat> I just really wanted to, I had to feel good about what I was doing. And there was a, a lot of, not a lot of stuff, but there was times there where I just felt like 
we were focused on the minutia and we weren't focused on the bigger picture. And, and I really wanted to be able to um, make a difference in people's lives. And I wanted to be able to, I don't, I don't know how to put it. Help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to be able to help people, but to me, there had to be a bigger picture. Like I've never been someone who's really money oriented. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, I didn't want it just to be about the the money. It had to be about something bigger. And, okay. um, and that was really what made the difference for me, I think, was when I when I sort of figured out what what my calling was and what my passion was. Because if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I mean, we're just we've just come through a time period where we spend a ton of time talking about what are our goals and what are our plans and what are. But, you know, like how often if you look back at your your plans from five years ago, are you doing what you planned five years ago? No. Wayne, you're being told you're not doing what you planned five years ago. Sorry, yes and no. I thought I answered it correctly, but <laughs> she's right. Everything, like being where we're at was all carefully constructed mm-hmm. and planned and everything. But like the direction, like the twists and turns and veers and pivots and like along the ways, definitely like, like this isn't the exact picture of what we had. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily want to go down this rabbit hole um, because I tend to talk a lot. Um, and this isn't I'm about me. I'm stopping you. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know I, I am I am very clear on my vision on where I'm getting where I'm going. Over time, as I'm sure you guys know, you know you may start off doing one thing, but then your resources begin to change. Suddenly, someone comes out of the you know the out of nowhere and they're like, "Hey, I've got three hundred thousand dollars." where that, those resources weren't available to you before. So you were basing your whole plan, your roadmap based off the resources you had. So if you can find what I like to call a detour, essentially, you know, to get you to your, your goal faster, absolutely. So yes, we have become much more resourceful over the last five years um, through opportunities and through networking. So yes, we have gone different directions and detours, but I think that we're still on the path of what it is that we yeah. want in life. Yeah, but, um, but you, you don't always foresee the true road to get there and you don't always foresee like you said the the detours and the other pieces Um, I didn't realize when I started out how much I enjoyed teaching and coaching and how much I wanted to you know sort of share the mistakes that we've made along the way with other people um, to hopefully prevent them from making some of the really costly mistakes that we made Mm -hmm. how did you figure that out that that's what you enjoyed and wanted to do and pursue um, we had, uh, we took, so we took our, our courses at Rich Dad and we were invited back by a couple of the trainers when we started doing really well. And they said, would you come back and share with people, you know, your story? And, and the more we did it, the more I loved it, the more I enjoyed it. And then it got to the point where the company asked me to teach the lease options course or the, the, the rent to own us. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> sorry to teach the rent to own course. And then we started teaching the negotiations course. And then it sort of evolved into, um, I was teaching a course called Momentum, which was basically, you know, how to build a real estate business uh, from the ground up for investors. And that was, that was something that I absolutely loved because they said, here you go, create the course. Where, how did you develop the skills in order to to teach a course or 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 to inspire people because i i don't know i don't i don't know you personally but and i don't i didn't know you before um before that so did they help with that or did you was there anything along the way books or mentors that helped you with that or you just a natural the natural 
just a natural. <laughs> That's awesome. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh, sweet. Thanks, honey. Um, no, I, I just, I think it's one of those things where I got some feedback from students. I had, you know, friends or, or people provide feedback and, and tips kind of along the way. But um, it really was, I think it was something that, you know, sometimes when you're really passionate about something, then, you know, even if you're not particularly skilled, you kind of make up for it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, there's one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, we, we got a little off track there or I, I, but one thing is that I have not met anyone. Okay. Let me rephrase this. Everyone seems to love, they love to criticize, you know, the big courses, you know, the $30,000 course, the $50,000 course. Are you kidding me? Those guys are idiots for doing that. Why would you do that? And you said, we looked at, you know, what the cost was for his engineering degree. And then we determined, you know, and, and I I love it. I actually, I really love it when people do take the course, pay the fee and they succeed. I have yet to meet anyone who has said, I paid that and I didn't do anything with it. I've yet to actually meet a failure through the rich dad uh, program, legacy, whatever, whatever, um, or any of them. I, I really do feel that, um, it really does help. Like, have you met anyone who's actually taken any, whether that be key spy or whether that be, you know, uh, the rich dad program, I have yet to meet anyone that's actually paid for it. If you're going to invest that much money and end up not doing anything with it, that's a huge loss. That's a motivator too. There's the money. And, you know, anybody who's invested in themselves can tell you that, once there's a price tag behind it and you, you know, swipe the card, it's like all of a sudden it's like, okay, got to do something with this. Got to make it happen. Right. Yeah. So do you guys, do you think it's necessary? Do you think that there has to be some sort of a financial, you know, payment, like a, a, um, uh, what's investment in order for you to be successful in order for you to not go back? I don't think there has to be a financial investment. I think there has to be a mindset that goes with it. And I think the mindset is you must be all in. And if it requires the financial investment to put you in a place where you're all in, then then that's what happens. But, you know, there's different ways that people can educate themselves. You know, people don't have to go with the expensive programs. People can hire just a one on one coach or like you, for example, or people can just go, you know, the the um, least expensive but most time consuming route, which is, you know, books, webinars, podcasts, those kinds of things. But I think. When you invest that kind of money, you you really put yourself in a position where you say, I'm either in or I'm out. And if I'm out, then I'm not recovering this money. So for us, we just about with our first deal that we did, we did a huge package deal. We did quite a bit of creative financing with it. And we made back virtually all the money that we spent in our education on our first package deal. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But not everybody does that. Like that's, I, I wouldn't say that's the the norm. And certainly, you know, real estate is a more. I find it more competitive now than it was when we started. Right? Eh? It, it it is what it is, right? Like it's there's always something, and you just have to stay ahead of. You, you got to stay with it. You got to stay ahead of it. And it's like anything in life, you know. There's you, you don't get what you don't put into it. So. Mm-hmm. I, I truly do believe that, you know, the financial investment, in, in my opinion, at least, I think it's important. There needs to be something. There needs to be something to lose, right? Um, because I feel that, well, we talk about this a lot. 
Um, I'm my best when my back is against the wall, when like, if I don't go do something, something's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've had some, you know, times in the past where hours have been down at work and I don't have enough to pay the bills. You watch me, I'll go and I'll, and I'll do the most ridiculous things to make a couple dollars to, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I feel like when we're not concerned about our finances, that's when I'm my laziest because I'm comfortable. So I, I, I mean, in my opinion, I almost feel like I, I think that there needs to be something you're back. Either you need to be at rock bottom or, or you need to have something on the line. What, what do you think? Em? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's like 100% necessary, but I like what Elizabeth said about, um, needing to decide what, if you're all in, cause you do have to be all in. And that's something that Wayne has said to me so many times, like when, because I wasn't, uh, completely on board when we started, I was freaked out. I didn't want to be a landlord. I was like, <laughs> I just had horror stories going through my head and he had, he had to sit me down and have a talk with me saying that like, <laughs> if I'm doing this, you're doing this with me and we are both going all in. And he said that many times to me throughout the years as things have changed and we've progressed is that like, I need you all in, I need you by my side doing this with me. It won't work if we don't, are you all in and getting that confirmation from me? And because it's, real estate investing can be really easy and it can also be really hard. Yes. And if you're not all in and have that mindset of being all in, then it's, I don't know, there's lots of ways to fail. So, ways to fail. Can I just ask Gabby, how did you make that switch? How did you change your brain from, I'm afraid, I, I'm cautious. <laughs> he asked me to step up. How did you make that switch? Um, you know what? It was a process. And I'd say that it's still a process. I still have days where I'm like, don't want to be doing what we're doing because there's a, there's a lot of crappy days that come with it. But um, the first thing that Wayne did was he made me read um, Don Campbell's Investing in the Canadian Real, Real Estate, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so once I got through that, I was like, oh, okay. Sorry, what? That's okay. But just butcher the name of the book, why don't you? It was a really <laughs> good book. It was pivotal for us, and you just butchered it. And live. said like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, it was whatever. <laughs> I didn't even read it. I did read it. I read it at my desk at my job over a couple of days, and um, that was a big turning point of realizing um, the possibilities and the mindset that comes with it, and all that kind of stuff. And then once we actually got into um, like getting our first rental and that kind of stuff. Wayne actually, he knew that I needed some assurance. He knew that I needed some, um, to really know what was going on so that there wasn't the anxiety behind it. So I, it was like one evening after um, he got home or maybe it was a weekend, I can't quite remember, but he's like, hey, we're gonna study the Residential Tenancy Act and know everything that could go wrong and how we're gonna deal with it when it does go wrong. And so literally like studying the sections of it and coming up with scenarios like, okay, the tenant trashes the place or, okay, we need to evict somebody, like just going through all the different things and what we would need to do. And we did that before we got our first tenant and our first tenant was a nightmare. <laughs> we went through the ringer, but we handled it all exactly as we were supposed to. And we came out winning the residential, uh, dis or sorry, the dispute um, yeah. hearing and all that kind of stuff. And we came out on top, 
But had we not done that, I would, well, I mean, I still was a disaster. I was still full of anxiety, but we did it all right. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like having the knowledge behind me and feeling confident in what we were doing, certainty. Yeah, just really helped kind of like keep moving on to the next step. Just keep going, just keep going. And yeah, so I'd say that those were probably that book really got my, me to kind of like switch the mindset. And then just having Wayne to constantly remind me that we know what we're doing and that it's all going to you know, work out. And this is what we're working towards. Yeah. I didn't mention the whiteboard and the numbers that you ran to show me what our future could look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and uh, Valerie posted, uh, I believe this is the Amazon link for uh, Don Campbell's book. So oh, I mean, nice. investing, uh, definitely check that out. I mean, it's, it's the first book that every real estate investor reads, it, like for the most part. Uh, if you ask them, but, um, so, so what was it like for you guys? Obviously, Emmett, you, you, you pointed to yeah, Elizabeth. Guess, yeah. Um, so Lizzie, Lizzie was, um, full of anxiety and just, oh, this is terrible. And, um, hearing horror stories from her family and not that they knew any different. They just, you know, read you, hear, something you hear from people, you hear from people. You read, so you read it in the paper. So, right? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So I, my mindset for a lot of this is just, ah, we'll figure it out. Like, ah, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, that did a lot for reducing I, my anxiety. Yeah. That's, tell that's yeah. Not, the worry about it. not the way you want to, you make such a big deal out of things. Just forget about it. Yeah, I don't worry about it. But somebody's not paying rent. How are we going to pay our bills? Give them an N4, whatever. <laughs> um, so but that's, Anyways, that, that's that's where my mindset went a lot. So, and I think what Lizzie was on the opposite end. And then I think over the years, we've both sort of come to this middle ground. And um, and, and now I'm less, oh, we'll figure it out too. Now I need a plan and I need a, a way to do things. And Lizzie's more like, oh, this we should do this. This will be great. And going down these new roads. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it's uh yeah i'm shaking the camera sorry um but uh yeah that's that, that that's the way we sort of did it and we were both at these two polar extremes and now i we've both moved towards the middle together so elizabeth what what was the turning point where you know the anxiety kind of relaxed a bit and and you started feeling more comfortable but was there something that happened or yeah what um Emmett was assaulted by uh, three of our tenants and oh, yeah. he, uh, he took, uh, so he tried to work for a while afterwards and we didn't really know what was going on, why he was having such trouble. And then, so that was um, February of 2017, 16, 17, 17, February of 2017. And, um, and then he ended up in hospital for a week by a, for a week in June and then he needed six months off work after that. And that was when I was doing mortgages. And that was why I ended up closing my business was because, <laughs> was because um, it, the, somebody had to run the business and, and Emmett couldn't do it anymore, at least not at that time. So, at the level I needed to. Yeah. So we actually did a complete role reversal because it was always Emmett who was in charge and Emmett was the boss and Emmett made the decisions because that's one of the things we figured out as a couple is that you can't have two people making decisions, making the final decision about the same thing. You have to sort right. of pick a lane and, and figure out your rules and then you stay in that. Right. So 
Um, so when he stepped down, then I had to step up. And even though he's much better now, he was later diagnosed with PTSD um, as a result of the assault. But it's, uh, it's really helped me, I think, find myself and find my voice. Because as I said, you know, years ago, I thought being a good wifey just meant that whatever, you know, your husband said that you did that. I look back now and <laughs> wonder how we made it this far. Because that's not who I am anymore. It's who I was, but it's not who I am. Hmm. Do you think that you changed or you think that you just kind of evolved? No, what do you think? I, I think you evolved. I think the need arose in the business mm-hmm. and you just, you, you took the reins. Yeah, it wasn't. And that's what good business partners do and good partners in life do. Like it just, it was almost overnight when I had to step back and then within hours, Lizzie was there and running the show. And it's not like I felt like I had all the answers or I knew everything. And I think that's one of the things that, that um, is one of the essential skills for investors is you have to be resourceful. You have to say, okay, I don't know the answer to this, but you know, where can I find the answer? Who can I call? Who can I reach out to? And I had some really amazing people. I mean, I had some friends like Mandy Branham um, and uh, and Debbie Gilbert, who, you know, I was really struggling by August trying to figure out like there's so much going on here and I'm missing so many pieces and um, and and what do I do? And they literally dropped what they were doing and they came up to Kirkland Lake. They stayed for a week and they helped me, you know, get myself organized and and develop a plan and really figure out how I was going to take care of things moving forward. And, you know, I certainly don't for a second think that we're the only investors who've been through tough times. I think most investors have a story, you know, whether it's, you know, the financing or, or this project didn't go well and we had to declare bankruptcy or whether it's, you know, we did this huge deal and we lost the money or, you know, somebody trashed the house or, you know, we in our lives, I think we encounter difficulties in one area or another. It's just a little bit different when, you know, you're the boss and you're the one making the decisions. And the only person you can look at in the mirror and say, what are you doing is, uh, is yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask a question? Can I call you Lizzie now? Cause Emmett called you Lizzie. And I was like, yeah. oh, cute. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, I, I know that wasn't my question, by the way. <laughs> Can I interrupt? (laughs) Oh, no. What was I going to ask you? Oh, yes. So leading up to the accident and you having to, you know, step into that role, do you think that you would have thought you were capable of that before it happened? No. Because I like and I ask that because sometimes I think um, actually uh, Dominique is watching right now. Uh, we had a call a while ago about life insurance and she was asking me, um, you know, like, so, you know, those tough questions. So if Wayne died, what would you do? And like those types of things with your portfolio and all those types of things. And I often, often think, and probably there's just insecurities embedded in it, but I often think that um, I just sell it all and go do something quiet and normal I don't know because there's like an insecurity of like could I do that could I step up and like continue doing what we're doing by myself and like not necessarily by myself but um yeah and I wonder like so you you wouldn't have thought that you were capable of stepping into that role leading up into it but you but then it happened there's I think there's a you find your true true strength when you're in a position of necessity 
And there's a lot of people, you know, part of it depends on who you surround yourself with. Like I'm surrounded by some really powerful women, you know, Mandy Branham, uh, Rochelle Laflamme from Epic Alliance, um, my partner, my rent-to-own partner, Michelle Gauthier. Like these are women who are really, you know, they're, they're blazing a path. And, and this, you know, to some degree, this has been an industry that, you know, has been kind of old boys for, for a long time. And, um, you know, there's organizations I've been part of where I literally looked at the stage sometimes and I went, you have no women up there. I'm out of here. You're not giving me what I need. I'll go find it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if push came to shove, I think you would be absolutely shocked at what you're capable of and what the women around you will step in and support you in. Yeah, I love that. That is beautiful. Um, yeah, I'll go back to what I asked earlier when I said, <laughs> did we answer it? It's okay. No, when I, when I asked about, you know, did you change or did you evolve? And the reason why I asked that question is because a lot of people, you know, kind of like stemming off of what you were saying as well, Gabby, they have these narratives that like, oh, I can't do that. I don't do that. I'm a Pisces. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking, hey. but <laughs> I'm just no offense to Pisces. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, a lot of people, they have these, these, these set these limitations themselves. I can't do that. I don't do that. I'm not that type of person. But like you said, when you get put in that situation, you realize you can. So uh, I feel like everyone has more gears. We are, we are, we can grow so much more and you don't have to sacrifice yourself. Like you're not a different person. You're still you, but Mm. you've grown, you've evolved to your best self. And I think that's what, in my opinion, that's what life's all about is just constantly growing and becoming the best version of yourself. Um, And that's, that's living life to me. So, um, you know, when people say I changed or that person changed, I don't believe it. I just think that they evolved and you know, you had it in you all along. You always, you were always a great speaker and always a great teacher. You just, you know, you never, you never used it. You never had the stage. Right. And it's, it's, it's important to, 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 to realize that because a lot of people, you know, when they're first looking at entrepreneurship or real estate investing or anything in general, that, that seems so far away and something I can never do. Um, you know, you, you always have more gears. There's, there's, there's so much more to you than, than you think, and you can handle it. Yeah. I think it's that, you know, the whole thing about you're only using 40% of your brain. I, I think that, you know, when, when we need to, to be more and to do more and to become more, I think, um, I think we do that. I think as humans, we're resourceful, but I I think we feed ourselves a lot of lines. You know, I think we, (laughs) I think we spend a lot of time telling ourselves these like scripts in our head about, you know, this is, this is who I am and this is what I'm capable of. And, you know, this is what other people think about me. And, you know, there's a lot of people I talk to and they're like, yeah, your little voice. Um, there's a lot of people I talk to and it's, you know, they say, well, you know, I, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, my best time was with high school or my favorite time was university. And I'm like, forget that. Now I'm old enough that I know better. I don't want to go back. I, yeah. I don't, yes. go back I don't know what you guys are talking about, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> There, there's not, I can't think of a single thing in my life that I'm like, boy, I wish I had a do-over because everything that's happened in my life, every decision I've made has led me here and everything that I've experienced is going to enable me to make better decisions moving forward. 
That's that's awesome. Um, and, you know, I, I love to go back and forth. And you had mentioned, you know, Mandy, and you mentioned uh, a few other people who came to, to help you when, when, when you needed the help. Um, I want to talk about network because uh, my belief when we first got into real estate investing is like, why would I network with someone <laughs> else who wants the exact same thing that I want? How are yeah. we supposed to help each other? How are we supposed to help each other? You, what do you want? You need money and mortgages? So do I. Well, that's exactly what I need. Like, how are we going to help each other? But what you just explained right there, the community that you had built around you, the support, there is a lot more uh, to networks, especially in real estate investing than people, uh, than people know. Mm -hmm. so I think, I think that's a really common mindset that you had around scarcity. It's very common for new investors because they look at a room of, you know, a hundred, 150 people at a networking event. And it, it literally, they go, well, all these people, these are my competition, but the reality is there's so much money out there. There's so many deals out there. You know, we, there were days as a property manager where I was so frustrated and I pick up the phone and I call Michelle Gauthier and I'd be like, Michelle, like I'm losing my mind here. Am I the only one? And we'd spend half an hour talking and we'd become grounded and we'd be like, no, there's other people experiencing this. We're not losing our minds. And, and it's, it's the mindset, whether it really comes down to, do you have scarcity or do you have abundance as your mindset? Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Hmm. What's your mindset, Emmett? Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you and me. <laughs> you and me. We got. Okay, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm... we don't need a rabbit hole on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't have to. It's a real estate investing podcast. We don't have to talk about pizza. Um, what I want to do is I want to rewind back to the first couple of years. You know, you guys. You, you came through that breakthrough moment. Um, what what kind of roadblocks did you guys hit? You know, normally people start hitting those roadblocks around the second, third, fourth year where things are going okay. And then it's just like, and there's, there's you just feel like you can't move farther. You, so did you guys ever hit any roadblocks along the way? Roadblock I think we hit was after we took the classes, trying to find the right deals. And there's so much stuff that's out there and you learned all this stuff, all this education, and now you have to apply it. And it's just like, this isn't working. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. This deal doesn't work. This deal doesn't work. And you start to really get frustrated, but trigger happy too. Well, something, I better do something. Mm. And that was our first real roadblock. And then like, Lizzie said, we got creative on a deal and we ended up with four properties or 25 units or something like that all off the same guy. And it was, it, it was just like, wow. And once that happened, it sort of let the, the, uh, the slow moving avalanche happen after that. And it's like, yeah. so that was our, that was, I would say that was our first, first roadblock yeah was was that when when we started investing like back when we were buying the the condos and the single family homes and duplexes in Newmarket, we were early enough that we were doing the five percent down so we were part of that whole evolution too where the government said okay all investors 20 percent down and everybody who we were you know in the network with at that time went ah everybody had like you know a freak out and how are we going to keep buying and, da, da, da. and like 50 percent of our competition left the market so Emmett and I looked at each other, we're like, 
we're still standing. What are we going to do now? And that was when we got into RSPs. That oh. was when, when we read Greg Habstritt's book. We looked at, there was a, what was that company? It was in Ottawa, Spirepoint or something. Oh yeah, I read that guy's course too. Yeah, yeah. so we, we started educating ourselves on RRSPs and that was literally how we, we you know, um, got over that hurdle. And, and that's, I think, one of the other characteristics that sets you apart as an investor is instead of seeing something as like a wall, it, it's just a hurdle. Mm-hmm. So it becomes, you know, am I going over, under, around, or through this hurdle? That's that's the right mindset. That's the right mindset. Do you want to tell me about that creative deal that you guys had? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So there was this. It was a general contractor. I'm just oh, moving. It's okay. okay. <laughs> We're in a tight little corner here. So as soon as every, anybody moves, it's. Um, so we're. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we, this general contractor was selling off a whole bunch of his properties cause he was getting into something bigger and better or whatever. And he had a six plex, uh, four plex. And I, I don't know what else, a couple of five plexes maybe, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they needed a lot of work. So what, um, and he was asking a fair price for them, but as if the prices that he wanted as if they were fully finished. So um, that wasn't going to work. So what we ended up doing was we got them under contract. We got him to do all the renovations that were needed before we took possession. And then he, um, and then he, uh, then we bought them off him at a, at a, at a great deal. Nice. So is that so <laughs> I'm having trouble remembering that was a long time ago, but <laughs> so uh basically what it was was we looked at the properties, we we negotiated with him um what we felt was a fair price for their as is condition, and then we asked him for quotes on how much it would cost to take them up to where we wanted them to be. And he told us how much it was. So we said, Okay, fine, we will pay you for each property the amount post renovation, but you're going to do the renovations for us before oh. closing. Okay. So, we wouldn't have been able to get bank financing beforehand because they were in, in, in rough shape. So basically what happened was not only did we buy properties that were in good condition that we were able to get fully financed. We also, um, his quotes came in low as a typical contractor, you know, you have quote creep, right? Mm -hmm. So he quotes you $20,000 and it costs 25 or 30 to actually do the work that he was supposed to do. So um, it was, it was great for us in terms of being able to, um, you know, get properties that, that we were making money in the buy already and they were brand like freshly renovated too. Wow. Wow. And RSPs, um, because you touched on it, do you know, do you want to give a quick explanation for someone who's just hearing about, you know, investing with RSPs or using RSP funds for the first time, you know, can you explain how that works? Sure. Yeah, sure. RS, it's a little known fact that when you have RRSPs, like most people think, oh, I buy mutual funds with them at the bank mm-hmm. or whatever, that's what I buy GICs with them or, or what have you. But what you can actually use those RRSPs for is to invest in real estate. You know what? People think, oh, I have to sell them or I have to cash them out. Well, you, you have to sell the mutual fund that you're uh, that you're investing in right now because um, I can't as a real estate investor, I can't use a mutual fund. I need cash to buy the house. 
but it stales, the money stays in your RRSP. You don't have to pay any of the taxes or any of the withholding taxes or that to, to get your money out. So they all stay within the RSPs. And there's two types of RSP mortgages. There's the arm's length mortgage and the non-arm's length mortgage. The non-arm's length mortgage is when you use your own money or a direct family member's um, money. And that gets a little complicated and it's it's it, it's got its place, but not so much in the real estate investing world. Um, but the arm's length RRSP mortgages are a great tool for you to use Um uh, friends, extended families, um, RSP investments, and uh, use those to invest in in real estate. You essentially become the bank. They become the the RSP holder becomes the bank. Mm-hmm. Always so, a lender. Yeah. They're, they're the lender. Their RSP becomes the lender. Gotcha. And this this is a strategy I love to talk to my coaching clients about because it's such a such a fantastic way to ease into real estate because the process that you go through to decide who you're going to lend your funds to is the same process you would go through if you were going to buy a property. So as the lender or as the person who has maybe $100,000 in RSPs, you're going to say, okay, how does this work? So I need to look at who my borrower is. I need to look at what the project or property is that I'm lending against. And I need to look at the overall market to make sure that, you know, their exit strategy that they want to utilize is is in fact a good one. So the same decision making, the same evaluation process to invest your RSPs, which doesn't cost you anything. A, you go through that when you're buying a property too. Wow. It's like a practice. It's like a trial run. It's amazing. Yeah. Plus yeah. it gives you the opportunity to invest in markets that you might not necessarily invest in. Like Ottawa in Ontario is absolutely hands down one of the best markets to be in, but it is darn hard to find anything that cash flows. So right. if you have a hundred thousand dollars, lend it to an investor in Ottawa and you know, you've got the great market, you've got the appreciation, you've got all the benefits of investing in Ottawa, but you don't have to find the deal and you're not worrying about the cash flow. Solid return and like a ton of security when you, you know, when, when you're investing it into a market like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you honestly say that you can, you could find a low risk investment where you're going to get 10 to 15% right now? Yeah. Well, the banks do it. So, yeah. You, not not finding investments. You mean they do they do lending? They do lending. That's yes, what I mean. And they're very conservative. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they're very absolutely. conservative. Yeah. I I just realized we haven't really quite talked. We haven't well, we haven't quite talked about the whole working with your spouse thing yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've learned plenty. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'd like to I'd like to ask you guys like how does your how does your business run? Who's responsible for what now? Now you guys have evolved to this power couple. You know, who's taking care of what and and what's your day looking like? So um, the way we've structured it now is I run the company, but Emmett runs the construction division and the accounting portion. Okay. So Emmett, the engineer, does, you know, the permits for our owners or for our properties, major renovation projects, manages the contractors. Um, he does all the billing for all the work that we do. Uh, he also runs the maintenance team that we have as, as part of our company. And then he handles, you know, the accounting because that works. That pairs really well with the engineering brain. And I run, I run the office and uh, the property management side, working with the tenants. So basically, I do the people, Emmett does the numbers, and it works out. It's fantastic. It really works out well. 
The other thing that's been a tremendous benefit for us, though, is that we have this amazing team and it took us years. We hired the wrong people. We hired them at the wrong time. Like we made a ton of mistakes when it comes to HR. A lot of investors don't realize when they're starting out, you're not becoming a real estate investor. You're becoming an entrepreneur who buys real estate. Yeah. And if you're not prepared to, you know, IT and HR and WSIB and HST and all the other acronyms that you can think of, if you're not prepared to do all that, it's challenging, yeah. especially if you don't have a background in it. So you definitely want to make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people and having the right staff. Now we've got a number of staff who've been with us, you know, Twice. six, eight, uh, so we got some coming up to 10 years. My mom's coming up to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, we're, we're really lucky. Um, and, and we're blessed from that perspective, but man, did we make some mistakes there before we got where we are now? Yeah. Yeah. So what about like the, 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 how did you get to a point where you guys can trust each other to know that things are getting done? You know what I mean? Because I'll let you know when you get done and he's, did that thing get done? You know what I mean? And you're constantly like, I, I can feel Gabby. Yeah. I, I unintentionally <laughs> kicked you, but it should have been intentional. <laughs> uh, it, it's very hard, you know, uh, with employees to pass off, you know, delegation, but it's also like when you're first starting out and you're working with your spouse, um, it, trying to let that go to know that they took care of that and to let that go. Do you guys, uh, how did you get to that point or do, do you still struggle with that? I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> It's still a challenge. Um, I just, we try and create systems and processes for, you know, the things that we're going to go through regularly. We try and have templates and processes that we follow. So on the 15th of every month, we do reconciliations for, for our, all of our different companies and for our owners. So that's where we take, you know, all the bills and the, all the rent that's come in. We did, so we subtract all the bills and then we send all the money out to all the owners of the respective properties. Um, so this last month, or this last reconciliation, um, I hadn't told Emmett that I wasn't finished my part yet. And Emmett just assumed I was done. So he went ahead and closed the reconciliations and we had to open them back up because I hadn't finished my part. That's a perfect Oops. example of where the communication just, we went in two different directions. Right. Um, but I think having that system or process and knowing who's responsible for what, like even down to the minutia of what is our plan for this? What is our process for this? Who's responsible for this? Those are the kinds of, of conversations that you need to have on a regular basis. And you got to remember who's responsible for it doesn't mean who's going to do it. Mm. Right. It, it just means who's responsible for getting it done. Yeah. Right. Manage the staff or who's going That's to right. oversee the process or, or whatever it like is. Who goes, who goes to the bank every day? That's that's on Lizzie, right? But she doesn't do it, but she makes sure it gets done. Right. Okay. Right. And so do you guys, did you implement any tools or any routines um, to, to make sure that you guys felt confident knowing that things were getting done? Because obviously it can be a little time consuming, double checking, you know, 10, 15 times a day. You know what I mean? Did you guys use any tools or did you develop any routines? One of our best investments is in a software called Buildium. And it literally, 
Yeah, it literally enables us to create systems and processes, not just with the staff or for the staff, but actually for owners. So owners and tenants, tenants, anywhere in the world, an owner can log in and see what's going on, how much rent was collected, what are my bills, you know, how much do I ballpark do I think I'm going to get this month? Our tenants can, you know, message at any point. We can text our tenants, call them, email them. Like we have lots of different ways to connect with them and we're super accessible for them. So they're more likely to message us if they're is an issue and they can log in they can check their you know their account statements and and their rent and you know there's an automatically an email that goes out five days before the first of the month that says hey by the way here's the balance owing so i went oh, sorry, i was just thinking about like yeah how to get this because this sounds pretty amazing <laughs> but i i find that one, one of my key i think i learned this in the book the e-myth i don't know if you've ever read that one or not love that book love yeah. that book and I think it's from there. I'm not sure, but, um, or maybe it's from our mentor, Mike Wilson. Anyways, um, it was whatever you're doing, multiply it by a thousand. And does it still make sense to do, right? So that, you know, like, so if you keep, um, you know, if you keep pay- a paper set of books, for instance, right? Well, multiply that times a thousand buildings. Does it still make sense? Of course not, Right. And, you know, some people think, oh, I'll have a rental property. Oh, well, it's just down the street from where my parents live. So I can go mow the lawn in the summer. It's no big deal. Like, I'll, I'll just go do that. Well, multiply that times a thousand. And is it still makes sense for you to do? Of course not. So that's, that, that's where I get the sort of the systemizing and processing of different, um, different aspects of the business where you need checklists for people and, and templates and, and patterns. And you need processes. And the very first process that Emmett created, Emmett the engineer, was he created a process that said how to create a process. I did. We literally have a process that's four pages long that says how to create a process. Well, I had to tell you first. <laughs> it sounds silly, but you know what? How many, how many issues have you avoided because you created that? And training people like you think you want to be you want to be scalable, right? So for most of us, it starts off. It's just the two of you looking at each other. You guys are, are running your business. But eventually you're going to get to the point where you're like, we need other people. We need help. Nine times out of 10, the first person you're going to hire is bookkeeping. So you need to have systems and processes in place so that you can train your bookkeeper. The other thing you want to think of is, you know, what happens, like you said at the beginning, Gabby, what happens if something happens to Wayne? How much information on your business is in Wayne's head? And I had this when Emmett was in hospital. You know, fortunately, I was able to go to him and say, okay, what are your PIN, your your codes? What are your access codes? What are your passwords for all your stuff? But imagine if something had happened and he hadn't been able to give me that information. Like all of our QuickBooks, our accounting, everything else I would have been locked out of. Right. Yeah. That's a problem. You don't want to have that happen in your business. You want to be able to say, you know, okay, we're going away for two weeks. You know, here, Bob, come in and run our business for two weeks for us. Come in and handle emergency calls for us because here's the system we've set up. You need that 1000x perspective. I really like that. I really like it because um, like you touched on the bookkeeping and everything else. If, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, short term that, oh, I can take care of this. I can take care of this. But at the same time, you're planning to, to have a thousand properties. Why aren't you putting these things in place right now? We did the exact same thing. I, I absolutely love that perspective. Um, I want to get real 
or you're real because uh, everything just seems like it runs so smoothly for you guys. But oh. I know that you can't. It's, it's like that every day. You should see here. It's all sugar canes and candies. Rainbows and unicorns. Rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? It we 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 try our best. You try your best. We try our best. But you know what? What what people want to know? What the, you know the audience wants to know is that what doesn't work. You know what? What are the what are what are the lessons that you've learned along the way? What's um, <laughs> What are the holes in your business? You know, what, 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 what isn't working and that you guys are working on? Put you guys on the spot live. Yeah. That's a lot of questions. Oh, I, I've got answers. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Please. Let's go, busy. <laughs> so one of the things that we were really struggling with was, um, I, I find, I found that there's some thought patterns we had that weren't serving us. So we were growing, our business is growing, but we, we weren't growing as much as a couple, I think, is, because this is what happens is that your business takes over and it's like having kids. We don't have kids, but you guys have a, a daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So it's like having kids where all of a sudden there's something else that's more important than you are. And you guys, you know, you don't you don't eat first. You don't sleep first. You don't take care of yourself first. And it's like that when you have a business, let alone multiple businesses that you're running. So one of the best things we ever did was we hired a coach. And I started with him in March of last year and he started changing my mindset right away, helping me work on, you know, personal development and a few different things. And within eight weeks, Emmett had seen such a huge change in me that we signed Emmett up for him too. Nice. So it, it was, we, we just, we weren't growing as a couple the way that we should have been because we were holding on to stuff. And that's, I think, one of the things you have to do as a couple is you have to set the boundaries. Like, it's not, you know, I'm in the shower in the morning and Emmett comes in. He goes, okay, so for today, you're going to do this, this, and this. And I'm literally looking at him going, where, where am I writing this down? <laughs> like, we are very alike, Emmett. <laughs> why not just like bust through the door and be like, put this in the calendar? I'm like, pick up your own phone and put it in the calendar. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Evan's like, Evan's like, why have you started locking the bathroom door? And I'm like, to keep you out. He goes, but I can open it. I'm like, yeah, but it's at least a deterrent. It's, like, the, it's the best way to get the answers that you want because you can't. They're trapped? You're trapped. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> I'll literally put a stool on the ground outside the shower. <laughs> he's done that. He's taken Everly's little like brushing teeth stool uh -huh. beside the shower and he'll sit on it and start talking to me I'm like no <laughs> that doesn't work for me those are that setting boundaries though right yeah. and that's one of the most pivotal things that's happened in um in our relationship and in our business it's like the best thing that's ever happened was when i was finally able to realize that i had to set boundaries because wayne is such a hard working entrepreneur mindset like just is always go 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 and he'll drag you along yeah until you tell him like cut the rope like let me loose and, you know what i mean and it, yeah so it's the wayne train right you got to get on the wayne train or get out of the way definitely and i had to set some major boundaries and i still every like every day is is putting up boundaries and reminding him because he yeah. just gets lost in it. 
I think, I think the other thing you have to do too, and, and tell me if you guys do this, I think you have to remember to have fun. Like we, we have, we have staff and they know they're like, okay, we're going to need to have a difficult conversation with Emmett. They're like, okay, who's going to the store to get the Reese's pieces? <laughs> because Emmett, we're the same person. We are the same person. Emmett is a captive audience if you have Reese's peanut butter cups. Do you guys, so you guys just do that too then I take it? I just love Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. We, uh, we forget. So, like the staff will literally cut. We have a, there's a vending machine just outside our office. So they can grab them whenever they need them. <laughs> like case of emergency, insert dollar here. So wow. they go do, so they'll come in to the office and they'll have like a whole bunch of papers and they'll go, so I did this today. I did this today. I did this today. And they'll give me the Reese's peanut butter cups, but I didn't finish this, this, and this. So you're going to have to go to the bank for me after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Oh boy. Um, one of the one of the easy boundaries that Lizzie said, I don't even know if you realize that I follow it or not, but anytime I have to call Lizzie now, because a lot of times Lizzie works from home and I work from the office because of COVID, whatever. So um, so I have to go open Lizzie's calendar and look at Lizzie's calendar before I call her. And I have to see that she's available to take a call before I just barge in like on the phone. So that's one of the things I do now is I look to see, is she available? No, oh, I got to wait an hour and a half to call her about something or whatever, or send her an email, whatever. Yeah. It sounds kind of silly, but you know, I think it's pretty important because you guys are in business together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I ever set that boundary. It sounds like a really great boundary to set back when Wayne was working at his AOB. Um, he quit in August of last year. So now that we're both home all the time, we, the calendar is more important than ever because we're like literally in each other's faces working all day. So it's like knowing who's going to be on what call and what's going on all day. The calendar is like vital. But before then, yeah, Wayne would just call anytime he was driving, anytime he had a thought, anytime anything came up. Like it was just like, because he would sit in his, his vehicle a lot. For, you do it too. <laughs> you too. Waiting for work to come up. So he, he'd be sitting and be like, oh yeah, that idea. Hey, Gabby. And he'd be calling all day though. And especially when I'm at home trying to get like, trying to run the business. Like I was up until August, I was running our businesses and he was just the thought guy. He would think of what we're going to do next and how this was going to work. And he'd kind of in put it in place, but I was, I'm the workhorse. I would, so I'd be sitting at home, like trying to file corporate taxes and do this and do that and deal with this tenant stuff. And, and he'd just be calling all day. Like if I went back and looked at my call log, like he'd probably call me. How many times a day do you think you'd call me? It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. But so, yeah. So Gabby, what drives you crazy? The most crazy about Wayne? <sighs> How much time do we have? We're already. <laughs> There's so Go many options it. to pick from. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many. Would you like the list alphabetically? <laughs> um, you know what? I honestly, I think what drives me the most crazy is that um, his brain doesn't turn off. So there isn't 
like it's basically if there weren't boundaries, if there wasn't a you can't talk to me before this time or you can't talk to me after this time or like, you know, like that kind of stuff, like put in place. It, I, it's just like nonstop from dusk till dawn, middle of the night. He's thinking about like, you know what I mean? His brain doesn't turn off. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't know if it's how I grew up. I don't know if it's like the small town laid back um, you know, like life that I was used to, but he is so driven and such a workaholic. And I find that he lacks a lot of balance and that drives me insane. It's probably the biggest like tension between us is that he just does, his brain doesn't turn off. I'm just living life. <laughs> I'm appreciative for what it's done for us and for where we're at because of it. But um, I just wish that sometimes I could be like, okay, like, so today we're not, we're going to turn your brain off and we're just going to like go have fun. But that today is a great example. Today is an awesome example. Yeah. So I had, I had a a call with, um, it it was, I guess, kind of a a coaching call with a woman that I'm doing a program with. And uh, she was asking about like our dynamic and this kind of stuff we're talking about. She's like, so one, once a month, just plan like a fun day. And I was like, it's going to be tough to Wayne for me to get Wayne on board, but I'll give it a shot and see if, you know, we can plan out the next 12 months, one day per month where everything turns off, no phones, no talking about work, nothing. And so I told Wayne and he's like, yeah, okay, well, you know, like, well, we don't really have too much going on on Friday. Let's do that on Friday today, by the way. So he schedules a podcast. He uh, all of a sudden there's three business calls in the calendar throughout the day. Uh, he four, like four, yeah, whatever. I missed. It. And so like he blames it on oh I forgot to close off my schedule, but he's also just Wayne. <laughs> and and there's there's a, a lot that sounds a lot like Emmett too, where it's I actually find if Emmett shuts off completely then he finds it really hard to get going. So he's actually better off doing a couple of hours a day, even on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's Wayne as well. Yeah. Yeah. And now that, now that I don't go in for my job anymore. Yeah. I do do a couple hours on the weekend as well, just to kind of fill it in. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, all of this, it's, it's, it's all very relatable and I'm sure everyone listening, you know, can relate to it because I say things or she says things and you guys point at each other. It's, it's so common when you're, when you're working with your spouse. Um, it's, it's all about barriers. It's all about routines. Um, and then just making the best of it. I mean, like, is, is there, this is what I meant. Like, you know, what, what doesn't work because I, it's, it's never perfect. It's never perfect when you're working together. It's, it's hard to, 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 to run a successful business and still, you know, have that intimacy. And, and I know that you guys talked about coaching, you know, we started doing coaching last year too. Same kind of thing. It was huge for us because, um, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy, you know, telling people to do things, telling each other to do things and then be like, love you. (laughs) You know what I mean? um Wayne's infamous uh starting of a sentence you know I love you but (laughs) but I'm like don't start with I love you because then I don't think you actually love me you're just using it as like (laughs) if I don't say it then I sound like a dick (laughs) (laughs) you're a dick anyways (laughs) 
that thing you said you're going to do, you haven't done. And I'm not your boss, but <laughs> you really need he, to get it done. That question he asked you about how do you trust the other person mm. that the stuff's getting done? That was basically, he was just like nudging me being like, how do I trust you? Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it really is. It's the communication and it's, I mean, we had a lot of, especially after when Emmett was in the hospital as he was starting to ease back into work because he, he virtually didn't work for six months. Oh. So as he was starting to ease back in, I had to ask a lot of, you know, did you get this done? You know, was this completed? You know, this kind of thing. And it, it was like you were walking on eggshells because, you know, if you're asking, then the receiving party, the, the default assumption is that you haven't, right? Because if, if you thought the person had done it, you wouldn't be asking. Yeah. So it's better schedule a time and have a meeting every day. Okay. You know, these were action items from yesterday. What got done? What didn't get done? Like run it like you would as if it's not your spouse. Yeah. That's my number one recommendation. You know, all the, the things that you would do if it was someone in the office, if you had, wouldn't have a meltdown temper tantrum and throw things, if you were working in an office, then don't do it at, with your spouse at home. Because yeah. it's going to the, the repercussions are going to be a lot worse. Did you hear that? <laughs> I care way too much. I care way too much. Um, yeah, that used to be our drive. That used to be my drive home at 3 34 o'clock. That's when we do our 15 minute decompress or the debrief yeah. of the day so that we can just get it all out of the way and I can relax for a couple hours once. You know, I get home and the kids there. And I mean, that's the most important part. And important part, uh, even lately, I've been kind of struggling just to kind of be present. Um, but uh, we have been going on for a while. And I do have one question uh, here from Dominique that she asked. And then I have one other question as well um, for you, you know, before we, 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 wow, we could probably go on for what, about three hours? <laughs> <laughs> but, but did you notice, Gabby, how the boys started um, getting restless? <laughs> at the same time the both of them are like fiddling around and, and doing things and you guys really and this is what I see a lot with my coaching clients too is that the um the personality types that are drawn to real estate to the entrepreneurial there tends to be one really strong dominant visionary personality type and then there's someone like you and I Gabby who tend to be the workhorses the doers um and we come in and we help to make people's visions happen and that's a lot of what you'll see again and again as, as real, in real estate. I, I think Definitely. it's imperative that, that you have one and the other. I, I don't like, we were talking about this very briefly before. I, I don't think it's possible that you can have two extremely driven people because otherwise there would be such a horrible mess behind you. It wouldn't be organized. Absolutely. Right. So in the same thing, if you had two people who her weren't the extremely driven ones, you would never get it. You would never, you would never bust through any barriers. There would never be someone being like, we have to do this. We're going to do this. Trust me. It's okay to be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. There has to be a balance, I think. And I, that's why I keep telling people like if your wife or your husband isn't on board, start working on it, start building that trust with them, get, give them little things to kind of get involved because I don't think give it, them Don Campbell's book. There you go. However, like, I don't think it's possible in my opinion. I don't think it's possible to, to, to do it separately from your spouse. I see some people doing it successfully, but you know, God, like, sorry. Um, I, I, I honestly, you know, I, it's the days that, you know, those hard days that you, that happen where, um, 
you know, you have a bad call or you have a situation that happens and you're trying to find a solution, you need to be able to have someone that you can trust to have that phone call with to kind of talk you down or to, you know, to give you the assurance that it's going to be okay. Because there are a lot of stressful days. Like I'm sure you guys, you guys want a property management company. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you guys get plenty of those stressful days. Yeah. The worst ones usually involve sewage, but the second worst <laughs> ones usually involve fire or water or both. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dominique, so, a question here, and it was, uh, if you could go back to your first real growth year, getting into the active aspect of real estate investing, uh, what are the first three things you would delegate and what would you keep doing yourself? Bookkeeping. You would bookkeeping. delegate bookkeeping you're saying? Oh, God, in a heartbeat. That is the it's most. So time consuming. I want to see the reports. I want it like nobody's going to manage your business financials like you are, but I don't need to be the one sitting and entering every receipt. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, the, like you said earlier, you know, having that 1000 X perspective, I mean, yeah, sure. You can do it right now. Yeah, sure. You're going to save 25 bucks a month, but start planning like you're going to be a rock star. Um, otherwise, it's so much harder to pass off later when you've got 10 or 15 doors. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I would say uh, maintenance is another one. I, I just I want to put um, something to Dominique's question there. This is the first growth year. So this is the year where you really want to expand. This isn't your sort of your learning year or your internship year, because these are all good things to really know how to do yes. and, and what to do and how to fix something or, or just know what to fix when certain things happen and what the impact is of putting receipts in the wrong account or stuff like that. Look at me. So, uh, but, but that's, that's what, um, th that's what I would say. But once you're in your growth phase, I would say like handling the stuff that anybody else can do for $20 an hour is, where you uh where, where you will um where, where you will be able to delegate the best and that's so that's like maintenance cleaning lawn cutting that that's all from from my side bookkeeping too um and not we're not just talking about like grass cutting and and cleaning for your rental properties we're talking about your house stuff too like one of the com first conversations that we had after we started our education was i looked at emmett and i said my time's as val valuable as yours so if you think i'm going to stay home on a saturday and clean the house sorry buddy you're mistaken this is not happening because either i'm resting and recuperating from being busy or i'm out there looking for new deals and doing stuff that nobody else can do yeah you have to guard your time like you don't have any more of it because you don't. Yeah. So the, the other thing is um, uh, for the stuff I wouldn't delegate is finding new deals, mm -hmm. um, managing the finances on deals. Um, and the last thing, it's it sounds kind of silly and times a thousand maybe doesn't work, but almost open your own mail before you hand it off to somebody. So you always really know what's going on. Right. So you always get, I know mail's kind of dying with email statements and all that kind of stuff, but you look at your credit card statement, your business credit card statements every month, look at your utility bills on all your properties every month. Right. Um, look at any other bills that come in and just don't let those things get away from you. That's gotta be you. Cause a bookkeeper will just enter the bill in. 
Say your water bill has been $60 for the last two years. All of a sudden it's $400 now and it's $400 the next month. And it's four and six months later, you're like, why are we losing money on this building? And then you look and you're like, what the, so that that's what I would say to not delegate is keep an eye on those, uh, on those types of things. Right. Uh, I have one other question that I wanted to ask and, and, and it's always, again, I'm always thinking about the, the person who's, just looking into real estate investing and they're looking for that little bit of inspiration or the guidance from an expert. So uh, what recommendation would you give to an investor who's just starting out? And then second to that, um, how would, what would you recommend they, they start out with? Not necessarily what strategy, but how, how do they determine what strategy they should use? Because there's so many different strategies and everybody's like, Oh, do this, do this, do this, this. How, how, how can they choose? How do you recommend they choose? So the one, one of the mistakes I see um, a lot of new investors making is not investing in themselves, not investing in um, their, their mindset, in their education, in their, their knowledge and their development. Um, There's a lot of people out there who, you know, they make disparaging remarks about the education companies. They make disparaging remarks about coaches and, you know, our coaches have have helped us grow, have removed obstacles and barriers for us and helped us grow so quickly. Um, so I definitely say don't be afraid to spend a bit of money on education, whichever means is is exactly what you need. One of the things I do with my coaching clients is I spend some time talking about the pros and cons of the different investment strategies, because a lot of people will be like, uh, you know, oh, I, I watched this TV show or I read this book or this is what my friend's doing or this guy at work, he's doing flips and he's making a lot of money. So I'm going to do it, too. But they don't bother to take a look at whether that investment strategy is actually a fit for their personal resources. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about knowledge and I'm talking about a network as well as money. So you have to make that whichever make sure that whichever strategy you choose that it is a good match for your personal situation because if it's not a you will either become frustrated and not proceed the way you want to or b um, you just won't move ahead at all. Right. You know, if you're trying to do a flip and you have no time, there's a very good chance that you will lose your mind before you ever c- complete that flip when, you know, you're at home and you've got, you know, three kids and and they're all going in different directions and doing different things. And, you know, you're, you've got a career and your your spouse has a career and you're doing homeschooling. And I can't like the frustration levels of people these days with especially like I see in Ontario with, you know, parents trying to, you know, work and, you know, help their kids get through school. I, I mean, it's it. There's a lot on your plate. If you don't do a good job of being honest about what what strategy is a good fit, then then you're you're not setting yourself up to be successful. That's that's solid advice. That's great advice. Um, this is the first podcast we've done with our new dog, and this has been the most stressful experience for me in my life. <laughs> And Gabby's had, to leave. <laughs> Gabby's had to leave a bunch of times. I mean, he's biting cords underneath me. So I apologize for, <laughs> for having a, uh, a few moments of distraction. But uh, I want to thank you guys so much um, for everything, for sharing, for being so open and honest. Um, it's, it's the open and honest conversations like we've had today that are, that are the most meaningful and valuable to the, to the audience that are listening because it's, it's relatable. Um, you know, we're all the same. We all came from the same. We all started, you know, listening to some person and got into it. So, um, I want to thank you guys again so much. Now, if anyone is interested in reaching out to you guys or is interested in your coaching and consulting, you know, how can they find you? 
the best way is probably Facebook. So, um, or an email, Elizabeth at ekconsulting.ca or Facebook is uh, ekconsulting.ca as well. And um, Emmett, um, do you want to tell them your joke that you always give? Anytime at the end of presentations or whatever, when I, when I put up, uh, like at the end, you put up your contact info or whatever, I always... I always put up Lizzie's contact info because I don't like to talk to people. <laughs> it's it's funny. We went an hour and a half and we never talked about the fact that the promotional image did not have a picture of Emmett. Uh, we used the mystery man. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne said, like, put it up on Facebook or whatever. And I pick up my phone and I'm like, did you make? Elizabeth's husband a shadow <laughs> and he's just laughing in his office I was like in the kitchen he's laughing in his office he's like yeah I was like okay Elizabeth and I talked about it but oh, yeah. we, didn't tell me we, that. Didn't, we didn't have like, an image for him and it's just yeah he's, he's, he's like, a mystery, mystery man scenes. <laughs> yeah. exactly. thank you for bringing me in on the joke <laughs> I so day. much guys it was such a pleasure to get to know you both and uh, i definitely want to talk to you about your puppy afterwards because i've been looking for a puppy for about a year now and i haven't had any success so i want to hear well well send your address and we'll ship him over oh, oh sure <laughs> You know, what it, you know what it was? We, we had a dog and he passed uh, two Christmases ago and we're, we just afterwards were like, it was so sad. You know, he, he, was, he was rather young and, you know, and then we started realizing, wow, we have all this free time and we don't have to worry about sending him to the kennel and those kind of things. And then two years passed. It's kind of like I, I, I compare it to like when um, uh, when a woman has a baby, she's like, I'm never doing it again. And then within a year, she's like, well, we could because she kind of forgets about how crazy and horrible it was. <laughs> um, that's kind of the experience right now with the dog. He's 12 weeks old now. And uh, boy, oh boy, it's been a real experience. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll ship him in a box to you. I drive out to get him. <laughs> Thank you again, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. You take care. Bye bye. <laughs>